0: So if we haven't had the pleasure of meeting, my name is David. I'm part of the team here at New Life Wichita. And for the past three weeks, we've kind of been in this series. We've been stepping into this space that we've been calling Bold. And to all my friends and family members in the Spanish-speaking community, I want to say buenos días y bienvenidos a New Life Wichita. Estoy agradecido con Dios por este privilegio y este día de que podemos estar juntos. Hemos estado en una serie de que se llama Vida Valiente. Y hoy es la conclusión de esta serie. Voy a estar hablando sobre la generosidad, porque seguir a Jesús es seguir a un Dios generoso. Y estas son las calidades de un cristiano que pueden cambiar el mundo. Dante Franklin typically walked more than eight miles each way to get to his job as a cook at the local restaurant. Despite his lengthy trek, Franklin had yet to be late for a shift, and he credits his mom who passed away when he was 16 with instilling this work ethic into him. One particularly hot day, Franklin was lucky enough to get a ride from a stranger, a man named Michael Lynn, who took pity on him and changed his life. Impressed by Franklin's commitment to walk each day to work, Lynn took to social media to post about Franklin's situation and raised $26,000 to help him buy a car. Because he didn't have a license, he couldn't buy the car. But touched by this story, a local bike shop chimed in, giving him a free bicycle while he waited to get his license. And here's what Franklin said. He said, I wasn't expecting it, but really it was a true blessing he gave me a ride. I can really help my family with this. It's just a really good blessing. So for the past three weeks, we've been stepping into this space on what it means to be bold. And the first week, we talked about bold prayers. What do bold prayers look like? And last week, Katie just shared from her awesome, just her experiences and her own story about what it means to step into bold hope. And today, we're going to talk about what it means to be bold when it comes to generosity. So Let me ease some concerns here by admitting that this is not an easy talk for me to give. Uh, Why? (laughs) Because for most of us, and especially if you grew up in the church, when you hear the word generosity, there's like this wall that immediately comes up. Or if you haven't grown up in the church, this is really one of the main reasons why you don't attend. I was talking to a young adult who was a part of a church community and then kind of stepped away from the church and I asked him I was like, "Hey, would you consider going back to church or would you consider coming to my church?" And he was really sincere with his response. He said, "No." So, no, because all they want is your money. And then once to take your money, they use you, they just forget about you. And I understand. I've been a part of church environments with prosperity gospel teaching, and like you, I've heard preachers use guilt and shame to push others to be more generous. I've given my last dollar, expecting to get $100 back. You know, I have given everything that I had, thinking that it was just an easy formula that God was going to bless me because I gave out of every single penny that I had. And honestly, uh, even today, I feel like there's still pieces of that that I still need to get rid of. And so hopefully for, for most of us, or for some of you today, I just want to clarify. And I would say that if you encounter a church that uses shame to influence you, run for your life. Shame about giving more money. Shame about missing a Sunday. Shame about your actions. Shaming in any area of your life is toxic. And the Holy Spirit does not transform us in using shame. In fact, we're told that there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus. So if someone acts that they have the final say about you getting into heaven, I just want to remind you that getting into heaven isn't even the point of the Christian faith. And second, that anybody using a carrot on a stick to manipulate your behaviors doesn't follow the God who gives grace with crazy generosity. They don't follow the God who transforms through the love of Christ. And so what does the love of Christ look like? What does generosity look like? For most of us here, I, I believe that it's just a, a shift in perspective. And I think that today, today's talk is going to be more of like a reminder because it, to me it almost feels like I'm preaching to the choir. I have seen the crazy generosity that has come from, from this community, from this room. And so if you're one of those that gives whether that's your time, your resources, or your money, that's amazing. I think today is going to be more of a reminder for some of us. But if you're on the fence about giving and what this looks like, what what does actually generosity look like, I hope that today's message is going to be an, an inspiration for most or all of us. So consider these words from Jesus. Jesus talking to his followers says, But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. I think this sets up the posture for forgiving. Because when it comes to living a bold life, one of the pillars is generosity. And giving back is important because it helps us connect with others, making a positive difference in the world. And it also makes a significance in in their lives, often creating change in them. So you, you shouldn't be surprised that Christians actually are exceptional givers. Here's some research for you. Practicing Christians adopt children at two and a half times the overall national rate and play a particularly large role in fostering and adopting troubled and hard to place kids. Research shows that Christians make up most volunteers who mentor prisoners and their families, both while they are incarcerated and after they are released because they are eager to welcome offenders back into society and to help them succeed. Research shows that faith based organizations are at the forefront of both care and recovery for the homeless. And believe it or not, Christians give more to secular charities than non-Christians do. And 65% of weekly church attendees were found to have donated either volunteer hours or money or goods to the poor within the previous week. And 65% of practicing Christians have directly experienced someone else's generosity compared to 46% of just American adults. Why? Because practicing Christians are more likely to be around other practicing Christians, and there's a great chance for someone to be both a participant and a recipient in generous community. So think of the last time that you witnessed an act of generosity, a moment that touched your heart, Brought tears to your eyes, or filled you with a sense of gratitude. I was talking with some friends at work, and they were they were very grateful because Chipotle gave them a double portion of chicken for free. <laughs> and especially in today's economy, I'm like, that's amazing. Uh, and so for for some of us, maybe it was something like like that. Maybe you got free guac at Chipotle. We all love when Chick-fil-A gives us free food. I'm constantly refreshing my app because I'm sure this is going to be the one time right that I'm going to get a survey or it's going to be the one time that someone's going to give me like a free chicken sandwich. But there are days where I get annoyed because the only thing that I get is like a free breakfast chicken sandwich. I'm like, I'm not going to wake up that early to get a free chicken sandwich for breakfast. But yeah, I'll take the the regular sandwich. That's fine. (laughs) I've been fortunate enough to be surrounded by generous individuals. When I think of generosity, I think of my parents. I think of the time and the money and just the resources that they use to help others in their community. And growing up, we would take trips to El Salvador where we would give out toys, food, and clothes to those that were in need. And in fact, for my mom, one of her love languages is is giving. And you can't go to her house without getting something. And this was one of those things that, that my wife had kind of a, a really hard time adapting to because whenever we'd go to her house for food, my mom would just give her food. It's like, you need to eat more. Oh, no, no, no. Your plate's too empty. Like, you need, you need to eat more. And she's looking at me like, how do I say no to your mom? I'm like, just say no. <laughs> but even that wasn't enough because my mom, who, who's here, by the way, she's, she's laughing at me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> She, she would make sure that you even had extra to take home, you know, for the ride home, for the ride home. I'm like, Mom, it's like 9 o'clock. I, I live like 10 minutes away. What am I going to do between now and the time I get home? And this is a constant struggle because any time that someone would come to our house, I'm like, you better be ready because you are going to feast. My, my father-in-law, in fact, he was... Um, he had the opportunity to kind of stay with us for a couple of weeks and we would go visit my mom and, and he had to stop because he's like, I gained 15 pounds. Like just by visiting your parents while they were giving me food. <laughs> and so when I think of generosity, I, I, think of, I think of my parents, I think of my in-laws um, who, who the same way. They just spoil me with their kindness, with their time, and they spoil me with their, with their knowledge how they spoil uh, my kids with their love, their grace, kindness, and ice cream can 't forget about that, and I think of my neighbors uh, when both our kids or both my kids were born, they were one of the first people to reach out and say, "Hey, how can we help you like what is something that we can do to to help you while you adjust to this phase of life and and they they mowed my lawn I was like that 's amazing it just I I can't beat that and in fact to this day they know this we've we've told this to them we said you cannot move like you are forbidden to move like the day you move this is a package deal we are moving with you and so I think of I think of them I think of this community you know everything that you see around you is because of your crazy generosity but it doesn't just end here it extends beyond with meal trains support for one another I think of Chad and, and the opportunity that we gave him to be on sabbatical, which he's, he's almost 11 days away from, from coming back, you know, and we hope that he's refreshed during that time. That is not an easy thing to do, and it's because of this community and the support system from this community that we can make those things happen. And so generosity isn't just something that, that we do, it's something that we are. And so Today, I kind of just want to highlight that and bring everything into perspective. And so if you have your Bible or your Bible app, I I would like to invite you to go to Luke chapter 20, uh, Luke chapter 20, verse 45. And if you don't have your your Bible or Bible app, it's okay. We're going to have the verses on the screen. But to kind of set things up for us, I want to remind us that wherever Jesus went, large crowds followed. You had the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the lawmakers, and the scribes. They just shadowed Jesus, spying on him, waiting for him to slip up or stumble. But along the way, you also had the, the tax collectors, the sinners, and the sick. And in fact, in the book of Luke, we find that the, the main emphasis isn't just on the religious leaders, but it's on the marginalized It's on the people that were out on the margins and how Jesus brought them all in into God's kingdom. And in fact, some of the harshest criticism was for the Pharisees, the lawmakers, and the scribes. Why? Because as the rule makers of that day, he highlighted their blind spots. And they completely missed the mark. They lived for prestige They lived to impress people. They weren't pointing people to God. They were pointing people to themselves. And the sad news is that they impressed everyone but God. In fact, once Jesus arrived at the house of a Pharisee, and here's what he had to say. He said, woe to you. We don't use those kind of words today, right? But but his words were strong. He says, woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, root, and all other kinds of gardener herbs. In other words, he's saying, hey, Pharisees, you guys are so good at following the Old Testament laws. You're so good at following the Old Testament rules. You're so good at this legalism thing, but you've completely missed the mark. This isn't what God is interested in. This isn't what I'm interested in. So what is God interested in? What was what, what Jesus trying to do? He's saying, you neglect justice. Justice and the love of God. In other words, he's saying, hey, Pharisees, you guys are so good at doing this. You're so good at looking at other people through this lens of binoculars. right? You've got got the law. You've got the the testament. You've got the, the rules. You're pretty good at doing that. But you have completely missed the mark. You've neglected justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you Pharisees because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you because you are like unmarked graves which people walk over without knowing it. Pretty harsh right but we we kind of get that We see that, especially in today's culture, right? There are religious leaders that we want to hold accountable. There are people that we want to highlight for what they've done or or the things that they're saying and how they're kind of manipulating others. And so it's no different than back then, right? Jesus is saying, hey, you have completely missed the mark. I love it because within that group, you didn't just have the Pharisees, but you had the lawmakers as well. In fact, it says in verse 45 that one of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. And I love the response that Jesus gave them. Basically, he says, hey, you too. He says, you experts in the law, woe to you. Because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry. And you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. He's like, did I stutter? He's like, no. He's like, Pharisees, lawmakers, you have completely missed the mark. You are leaving these marginalized people out here. You're taking advantage of them. You are ignoring what the heart of God truly is. And so it's it's in this context that we get to Luke chapter 20, verse 45. And so Jesus is surrounded by the religious crowd and his followers. And it says that while all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show, make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Now he's getting at the teachers of the law and he's saying, You guys are, are living to be looked up to. You're putting down anyone who doesn't look up to you, and you take advantage of the disadvantage. So you have to keep in mind that a widow was in a very difficult position, even compared to today. Because back then, widows couldn't go back to get a job. It was a completely different world. To be a widow wasn't to just lose family and connections, but it was also the equivalent to being virtually homeless in today's world. But if they owned anything or had a house left over from their spouse, the religious leaders found a way to take that from them as well. They would steal from widows to build their place of power. And Jesus says, these people have a really bad future. Moving on, it says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting the gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Now, two copper coins, even compared to today's economy, it's not a whole lot. But for her, it was everything that she had. And then Jesus says, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. So he rips on the religious leaders And then he turns to the widow and says, you've been taken advantage of. The widow gave out of her poverty, and Jesus said, this was a much greater gift. And so here are a few thoughts, a couple of thoughts that I want to share with you on this. First, generosity involves sacrifice. Generosity is measuring what is left over far more than what is being put in. Not that there can't be anything left over, but that there is this sacrificial component, this sacrificial element, and what is left over becomes very important. Now, you don't probably have to give to the widow's extent where it's everything, but the idea here is that generosity will cost you something. So Amber and I here, are, we're percentage givers because we believe that this community is making a difference but on top of that, we've given to various nonprofits like ICTSO, Compassion International. And we've also given to just spontaneously to, to people that we just want to support or people that we think are in need. And it would be easy for us to look at the budget, at the budget and say, hey, like this, this giving area here, we need to cut down on that. Uh, but we have decided that that is non-negotiable. Um, sure we could spoil ourselves we could eat more more out Um, we could get new phones new shoes clothes we could travel more but giving has become generosity has become non-negotiable in our house and honestly there are days that we're tempted to cut back in that area but it's usually because we are bad planners usually because we don't stick to budget Uh, In fact, we were so bad at this that I actually uh, changed the screenshot on my phone to Dave Ramsey with the big words, no. Like, it's a true story. Like, I had that for a few years. And anytime that I would want to buy something, anytime that I would splurge on something, Amber would be like, What does DR have to say? No. (laughs) It's all about the mindset. Because we want to live on 110%. We want to live on 130%. We want to live on 140%, right? And so we have Visa and Chase and MasterCard kind of help supplement that instead of the 90%. Generosity is also about what is in the heart. We constantly experience this tension between balancing the pursuit of being rich in good deeds with being rich in material possessions And a big dilemma is this lie that we believe that financial success is more rewarding than the pursuit of God and making an internal investment. In fact, wealth is not the enemy. Greed is the enemy. So I like to say that you really don't know your city well enough until you've worked in a restaurant because you get to experience a little bit of everything. You get to experience the good. You get to experience the bad you get to experience the in-between. I worked at a restaurant for five years while I was in college. Morning shift, evening shift, uh, graveyard shift. And during that time, I got to see a little bit of the good, I got to see a little bit of the bad, and I got to see a little bit of the in-between. And one of the things that I will never forget were the number of people who claimed to follow Jesus but didn't really practice it. And it was hard for me to make a connection between a a loving God, a compassionate God, and a true follower of Jesus without seeing that put into action. In fact, everyone at the restaurant would tell you that one of the most difficult shifts to work were Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings. Um, And I can't tell you how many tracks and booklets I collected over the years as part of my tip. Like, this is your tip. <laughs> Thank you. Yay. <laughs> in fact, one of the biggest tips that I ever received was $100. I love what it says in the back. It says, How many people can you find on this $100 bill? You might be surprised to know that there are six. Anyways, it goes on to talk about, you know, the love of money. And I'm like, I've got bills to pay. Like, what is this going to do for me? But some of the most impactful moments from that time were the people that went above and beyond. It's the people that came and, and sought after you. The people that were intentional that because they actually cared about you. And it's crazy that even at a restaurant, you know, sometimes we think of people as just employees, but we tend to forget that they are People, just like you and like me. Sometimes we encounter situations where, you know, we we feel like there's someone that's having a bad day. We were at the drive-thru to a particular restaurant, and it it looked like the person that was manning the drive-thru, she she just just seemed grumpy or grouchy, I don't know. And it kind of threw us off because we're like, hey, calm down. Um, But I had to remind myself, like, we don't know what's going on here and it could be that there's something much more severe and that what we're seeing is isn't isn't against us isn't towards us but it's because maybe there's something else that's happening here and so so we smile oh hey have a nice day hey i you know, hope everything's okay i remember during um during the pandemic i was at target and I was, uh, I was walking in, into the store, and they, whatever your, your opinions are about uh, mask mandates or whatever um, whatever you think about that, the reality was that in that moment, um, there was a particular guideline that needed to be followed, and someone came into the store without having their mask. And, and I witnessed this, this person with her family who just completely went after this employee, I mean, it just completely destroyed this employee because this employee was doing his job. And I saw this, and I'm like, this ain't right. And so after I'd done my thing, I went to the, to the employee and I said, hey, man, I said, you don't deserve that. I said, you, you don't deserve that. I said, I won't let you know that, you know, I completely understand. I want to let you know that I see you, and that's not right. And so one of the most generous things that anyone ever did to me in that time was show kindness and compassion. I appreciated good tips as well, right? But a simple smile went a long way. My wife, Amber, will tell you that one of the reasons why we don't think we're generous enough is because we believe there's still much more to give. Almost every business idea that we've had involves giving it all away. So we don't own a business. <laughs> and we look forward to the day that we can give more. Generosity is not limited to what we do with our money. We can be generous in our time, sharing our expertise, opening our home, mentoring a friend. You know, I think of, of the people in this community I think of the people that are involved in tech team. That is because of their generosity, because of their knowledge that we're able to make that happen. I think of the generous attitude that we can have towards people, never holding back our resources. Because the more you give away, the more you're doing. So what defines a generous person is that they're a generous person. And it's not something that you do. It's something that you are. Generosity grounds our faith, deepens our soul. And if you're not giving, you're missing out on who you can become. Because generous people have more joy, their hope, they're kinder, and compassionate, and generous people become more fully alive. 1 Timothy tells us command those who are rich in this present world. Newsflash, you're rich command those people who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will lay up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life, of the life, the life that is truly life. So where are you giving? Where are you sacrificing? You have been given gifts by God. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. You have been given intelligence. You have been given passion. You have been given ingenuity. You have so much inside of you. And I mean that you have so much. Everyone here, everyone here has so much inside of them. And maybe all that's in you is supposed to be your gift to the world. I'd like to invite the band to come up. just kind of want to close with this. Jesus taught me that generosity in every aspect of my life sets me free. Why are we generous? What would a generous community look like? Not just here, but if every person that considers themselves to be followers of Jesus would practice this to quote a very early Christian text. Christians live in hope and expectation of the world which is to come. They love one another, esteem widows, and rescue orphans from any who ill-treat them. Whoever has wealth gives to him who has not, without boasting. When they see a stranger take him into their homes and rejoice over him as a very brother. Whenever one of their number who was poor passes from the world, each one of them, according to his ability, contributes to his burial. And if they hear that one of their number is imprisoned or afflicted on account of the name of their Messiah, all of them anxiously minister to his necessity. And if it is possible to redeem him, they set him free. If there is among them any that is poor and needy and they have no spare food, they fast two or three days in order to have food which they can supply to the one in need. That is what bold generosity looks like. I think you know that. So we should live it out. Pray with me. Father God, we we thank you for this text. That we can learn from your son Jesus what it means to be generous. It's not about, God, what you have given us, but what we can do with that in every aspect of our life. We want to be generous because you have been so generous to us. You have given us hope you have given us life you give us compassion you care about the marginalized you care about those in need god we don't want to fall into this trap where it's more about us but we forget that you care about others you want us to be kind you want us to be rich in good deeds you want us to share but god most importantly you want us to live life That is truly life. And so I pray for everyone that's in here in this room, for those that are watching online, God, that we would continue to strive for that and that we would put that in action because that's what it means to be bold.